Hey, Voices of a Killer fans, Toby here to talk about an exciting podcast that you might like. If our journey into the minds behind the bars has captivated you, then you'll find Prison Pod equally gripping. It's a podcast that delves deep into the lives affected by incarceration, offering firsthand stories from those on both sides of the cell. Available on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, Prison Pod broadens the conversation around the impacts of jail and prison. Search for Prison Pod wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the real stories of those living a life defined by bars. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin this podcast... Please be advised that the following episode contains language that some listeners may find offensive and inappropriate. The opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not reflect the views of the podcast producers. Listener discretion is advised. How come you didn't write anybody in Chicago about this one? They never was interested in that. They just wanted to be arrested in the ones that I talked about. That's one of the murders that they never prosecuted you on? Yeah, they never prosecuted me. So how long have you been in prison now? How many years? That's 09. There's got to be more mental health awareness, man. These doctors at these mental health clinics got to take people seriously what they're saying because all they do is write down stuff on the paper or pad and then they throw it to the side, write you some prescription, and then they kick you right back out there and say, Eventually it's going away on them and consciousness is going to kick in. Man, that was wrong. If there's there any humanity in their life. You are now listening to the podcast Voices of a Killer. I'm bringing you the stories from the perspective of the people that have taken the life of another human and their current situation thereafter in prison. You will see that although these are the folks that we have been programmed to hate, they all have something in common. They are all humans like us that admit that they made a mistake. Will you forgive them? or will you condemn them? They are currently serving time for their murders, and they give us an inside glimpse of what took place when they killed and their feelings on the matter now. Here are the voices of those who have killed. 
this episode of Voices of a Killer, prepare yourself for an unprecedented revelation in the dark and twisted story of serial killer Theodos Hill. As we delve deeper into part two of this chilling podcast episode, get ready to witness a groundbreaking moment. In a first for the Voices of a Killer podcast, Theodos will reveal the secrets of more murders that have remained hidden from the world. These chilling acts have never been exposed and their details have remained locked away in the depths of his mind until now. So far, we have already spoken about the convictions that Theodos is already serving time for. And if you would like more detail about those, I suggest you go back and listen to the previous episode. For now, listen closely as Theodos Hill is about to rewrite the rules of this chilling saga. And you won't want to miss a single moment of this captivating story from Voices of a Killer. So you're in prison and prosecuted on five murders total. Is that correct? Second degree murder. Three first degree murders. And the capital murder. Two in Arkansas, three in Missouri. And besides those five, you have tried to get the authorities to know about two more or more? Yeah. So they caught you for and prosecuted you for Marissa Lowe's and... You, they sentenced you to 15 years, correct, for second-degree murder? Yeah. So once you got to yep. prison, you probably sobered up some and uh, thinking a little bit no, differently? I had, no, I had sobered up. It was that I got to start going to church. I gave my life to the Lord. I got believing in Jesus Christ. And I started feeling a heavy weight on me about the crimes I committed. When you took this turn spiritually... At this uh-huh. point, you only were known to have killed Marissa Lowe's or prosecuted for it? They didn't know nothing about the other ones. Just I, one. I confessed to them. I could have been on the streets right now today if I'd have never told them about the other ones. Yeah, because 15 years is not very long for killing I someone. I would have been on the streets right now today. So how long were, since the day you got locked up when they took you in for Marissa's murder, how long did it take for you to say, you know what, I'm going to tell them about other murders? Hey, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because when I first tried to tell them, they wouldn't believe about the other one down at the Dawson case. They they wanted him for the, they already wanted me for the low case. I had a warrant for that one already. And it took them about two years to even get a governor's warrant to come take me across the state line over there. I had wrote the governor over there like two or three times before they even came to get me. What was the governor's response when you would write him? He told me to contact an attorney. And then what governor was this? I think it was Pastor Hutchinson. I think it was Pastor Hutchinson. Because when I first wrote the governor over here, I wrote Sarah Huckabee. I wrote Huckabee. I wrote the military governor over here. It was a military guy. What would you say in these letters to him? I was explaining to him that I was about to probably be released there. I had committed other crimes, other murders. And when they sent the police down here from Arkansas, and I was telling them about it, I guess they didn't want to, I don't know. It was surprising I was telling them about it. It's just because I know that those people's families needed some closure for those cases. And the mind frame that I was in back then, I didn't want to be released back out there and hurt nobody else. So one of the people that you wrote was a deputy prosecutor in Arkansas that got one of your letters in March of 2014, and they brought investigators to you. Did they pull you out and 
basically sit you down and ask you all the questions about what happened? Yeah, they called me up front because they had somebody locked up for that case already. They had somebody locked up for the Dawson case. And also what I'm reading here it actually says another man had been charged in the Dawson case. Prosecutors yep. dropped the case against him after they were introduced uh-huh. to Theodas and his letters. So right. that Dawson case is where they had actually charged another man. And how many more do you think that you people that you kill that they are not pinning them on you? I know there's two more that they probably, because they didn't want to hear about them. When they closed their ear upon hearing about them, I knew then, but I didn't really think about it until I was telling the guy that I know one here. And he knows law pretty good, and he was telling me, he said, man, they charge somebody for those cases. That's why they don't want to hear about them, because yeah. they will have to reopen those cases and release that person, and he can file a lawsuit against them. Yeah, it says you're, it's stated by authorities that in your letters you gave details that would have been only known by authorities. I did, but they didn't want to hear about it, so I just left it alone. I left it alone. Theotis' decision to confess came from a place of spirituality. His transformation behind bars, his spiritual awakening and desire for redemption push him to break the silence. He yearns to provide closure for the families of his victims and ensure that no more lives are tarnished by his actions. Initially convicted and sentenced in 2009 for the murder of Fannie Mae Hill in 2006, Theotis pled guilty to the charges from the Marissa Lowe case in 2013. In March of 2014, he wrote to a deputy prosecutor in Arkansas admitting to the murder of Catherine Dawson in the Forest City area. Just two weeks prior to Lowe's body being discovered, he described using a pillow to suffocate his victim, details that only authorities knew at the time. Theotis' letters didn't stop there. He also reached out to St. Louis homicide detective Scott Saylor, offering information about the death of Sierra Sullivan, whose lifeless body was found wrapped in a sheet in a vacant lot in the summer of 2009. Another victim, Janice Mayhew, met a similar fate in St. Louis in 2008. His detailed knowledge of these crimes convinced authorities that he was indeed the perpetrator. Now, this is a first for this podcast, as with a heavy conscience and a newfound faith, Theotis musters the courage to confess to additional killings that have remained hidden until now. So who else have you killed? I was younger and I was living in Chicago. I don't even know his name. I don't even know his name. Have you tried to tell the authorities about it? No. No. What, never have. What city did this happen in? That's in Chicago, Illinois. I think it was around about the early 80s. What happened there? I shot the guy. I shot him. He died. But uh, this is my neighborhood. At the time, I was standing at this shelter thing because I didn't have nowhere to stay at the time. I was down on my luck. And I was mostly doing crimes to buy a lot of robberies and stuff like that to buy street robbers. And he resisted on a robbery. And I found out the next day that he had passed away. I can't even remember exactly what month it was. But I know it was summertime. Sound about 81, 82, something like that. I ended up leaving Chicago. And I went down south for a while. I was trying to find some work. I was just tired of the way I was really living. So this person that you killed... You were a teenager back in the 80s, you said? Yeah, young. Yeah, I was real young. I was young. Then, 30 years ago. What did he look like? Yeah, he's like a Hispanic or something like that. I can't even remember. It's been so long. It's been over 30 years, man. I can't even remember. How come you didn't write anybody in Chicago about this one? 
they never was interested in that. They just wanted to be arrested in the warrants that I talked about. So Theotis's first confession is from a crime he committed when he must have been a young adult. The details are hazy, his memory faded by the passage of time, but the haunting truth still remains. He admits to shooting a man, his actions driven by a life of desperation and crime, yet the authorities in Chicago never showed any interest in his confession. Their attention seemingly focused on other warrants and charges. The frustration in Hill's voice is palpable as he recounts his failed attempts to bring these dark secrets to light. His letters filled with the weight of his guilt and the need for acknowledgement seemed to fall on deaf ears. They also served as a testament to his inner turmoil as he grappled with the weight of his past actions. Perhaps the admission to the murder of Catherine Dawson gave Theotis some hope for redemption. With the success of an innocent man being released because of his letters, perhaps this could be achieved again through his next confession on this recording. And so what you're saying is there's other murders that you have admitted doing and you try to tell them, but you think that maybe they've already prosecuted somebody and they're trying to... Listen, to be honest with you, I know they have. The reason I know it is because when I told my attorney about it first, Marissa Holman, of the St. Louis City Public Defender's Office, and she must have went and notified the Circus Attorney's Office, which was Jennifer Joyce at the time, and Dwight Warren. And they came down there to the St. Louis City Justice Center together to see me. And she asked me about details of the case that only the person that done it would know. And when I told her, and then I even told her something that I know they didn't even know about, and then they probably didn't know it was the point of the crime scene. But when I told them about it, they looked at each other. And then when they left, a lawyer said, I'll come back and see you in a couple of days. So she came back the next morning. It wasn't a couple of days, the next morning. And she said, oh, we're not going to discuss those cases there anymore. We're going to uh, go to this one. They want to, they, they want to just not even talk about it no more. Yeah, the work had been done already. That's one of the murders that they never prosecuted you on? Yeah, they never prosecuted me on. Who was the victim? It was a person by the name of Danielle. What's Danielle's Danielle. last name? I don't know. Where? What city was this in? St. Louis City. Around where? It happened on off of Broadway, going towards downtown St. Louis. It's a lounge by the highway. What year? On that. This had to be about 2000 and it had to be like 2005. And how did she die? The same way. But the body was in a house. It was a house that they was turned down on a side street on Broadway, but the street, but the house was on had a gate around it. And at the corner was a lounge. It was one of those, like, pubs. It's like an Irish pub. You can see the highway when you come out the lounge door. You can see the highway 70. Highway 70, right there. I told him about, okay, the house and the room, one of the rooms in the house which they never knew. I told them where I had put a pipe. I stashed it. And they had to find it. It was wrapped in a, like a blue rag, like one of those bandanas or something. 
Was that the murder weapon or a no, crack no, no, pipe? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the, in the room I put it in, the floors was missing. Like they was taking up the floors in the house. Yeah. There was no floor. And I had to walk on the beams. It was just the beams. They had to put the little boards that makes the floor up. Halfway done. It was nothing. The whole floor was done. Like, but it was turned and house down. And then when I heard about that they had found the body in there, I never heard anything else about it. So when I started telling them about the other murders, I brought that one up. Have you ever told anybody else, really, any kind of organizations out there or other authorities? I never told, I never told anyone else about it. Because if I take it up to the circuit attorney's office and want to hear about it, who else will want to hear about it? Some exactly what the victim had on. Some black, some like black blue jeans, a white t-shirt, have no you, writing or nothing on Have you ever researched who was charged with that crime, with that murder? I can't research nothing from in here. Yeah. <laughs> I never, once the circus attorney's office wasn't interested in it, I... Yeah, some people locked up just have people on the outside do all their research for them. Yeah, I don't have nobody do nothing like that. So I've never said anything else about it. It's just now. In this poignant confession, Theotis opens up about the murders that have haunted him for years. The second victim, identified as Danielle, lost her life in St. Louis around 2005. Her tragic fate mirrored that of other victims as she was also strangled. The body was discovered in a house located off of Broadway near a lounge by the highway. He vividly recalls the dilapidated state of the house, with missing floors that forced him to walk on beans, and discloses how he left a crucial piece of evidence at the crime scene, a pipe concealed in a room where the murder took place. Astonishingly, even with this compelling evidence, the attorney and the prosecutor's office appeared reluctant to pursue the case further. It seems that once a conviction has been secured, authorities may be hesitant to reopen a case, fearing the potential legal consequences and the possibility of facing a lawsuit from the wrongly convicted individual. This is the first time that he has disclosed this information to anyone else, and without the means to conduct research from behind bars, he remains unaware of who, if anyone, was charged with Danielle's murder. After the break, we find out more about why Theotis confesses. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, not much. How was your shower, good? Yeah, I got shower. I ate me a soup, man. Yeah. I had to go boil me a soup. I went boil me a soup or something. What kind of soup did you eat? A little ramen noodle thing. Yeah, yeah. Which one, though? You know how much some things cost for a case now? How much? $13 change. 
Damn. They pick seven cent a piece. Man, that sounds like jail. Man, this stuff, all this stuff that went up so high. Yeah. Everything. Everything. The prices have skyrocketed. Yeah. I had to go get me a job. I got to work for 90 days. First of the pay is $37. And then after that, work every three months, you get $2. $37 a month? Yeah. Theotis and I had developed quite a friendly relationship during our phone calls, and this little snippet highlights some of the struggles in prison. It's also interesting to note that the cost of living is not just affecting us on the outside, but those behind bars are also finding it hard to buy their favorite foods. Nevertheless, I wanted to find out more about what drove Theotis to confess. His life behind bars was marked with a personal shift towards religion. Was this the only reason that brought him to confess? What had driven him to this pivotal moment in his life? So how long have you been in prison now? How many years? This whole nine. Do you feel like you, since you found Jesus in, in, in prison, what do you think that your result is going to be when you pass away? God asks for forgiveness for it, so I don't want sins to be forgiven. I confessed to my crimes as well to God and to the authorities as well. They didn't even know I had done that stuff. They didn't even know. They had no idea. Yeah, so how does that make you feel being labeled a serial killer? That's what man calls me, though. That's what it was, though. Don't bother me. And you think that because you found God and you've confessed that you're going to go to heaven? Sure. What would you do if you went to heaven and you saw your victims? I would be forgiven. I guess we would just probably talk about the things that we did that I've done to them. I would ask, forgive me. I always pray and ask that they forgive me. Wait till then. I always pray and ask when I think my prayers are asking forgiveness for them, that they forgive me as well as God forgive me. And their families as well forgive me. That's why I confess my crimes so their families can get closure. So why would it? Why would the, one of the main points of the Bible is the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows this, even if you're a Christian or a believer or not. And one of the first things it says is, thou shalt not kill. And it's seemed indicated that killing is like really extremely bad under the Christian faith. There's no sin bigger than another. All the sin. There's no sin greater than another sin. And that's where people go wrong in life. They think that. As you may steal an apple out of the store, it's, it's less than you robbing somebody on the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Theotis, having found solace in his faith while in prison, contemplates the consequences awaiting him in the afterlife. He acknowledges his need for forgiveness, both from God and the authorities, confessing his crimes and accepting the label of a serial killer. Despite the weight of his past actions, Theotis believes that through prayer and repentance, he can attain forgiveness from both God and his victims. He sees confession as a means to provide closure to the families affected by his crimes. Theotis recognizes that all sins hold equal weight, rejecting the notion that some transgressions are greater or lesser than others. In his eyes, all forms of wrongdoing, from theft to murder, carry the burden of sin. With that in mind, I was curious about his perspective on drug use, seeing as this was a common thread amongst his murders as a serial killer. How long had you been smoking crack when this happened with Fannie Mae? Not long. Not long. I started smoking and all the tobacco with the rolled it like a cigarette. I was young. I think I was in my 30s. 
friend of mine just turned me on to it when I was out there on the street. How would you explain how crack made you feel when you first started doing it? You know what? I was really so depressed. I was very depressed, man. I was going through a lot of mental stuff. Plus, I was taking mental health meds at the time as well. I was taking Seroquel, and I was drinking on my medication. But like I told you, I went to a Hopewell several times, an outpatient mental health clinic. I was searching for help, man. But nobody helped me. But nobody helped me. Way before the Fannie Mae thing, and I never could get no help from nobody. I was reaching out, and people were just rejecting me. I couldn't understand why. Because I was poor and black. I don't know what it was. I can't figure it out. I never could. I can't never wrap my mind around why was I not helped, and I asked for it. You went to somebody, a doctor, and you said you had bad thoughts and things like yeah, that? Hopewell. And, yeah, and Hopewell on Grand Important. What, so what's Hopewell? It's a mental health, outpatient mental health clinic. What Before did you tell them? I used to tell them how I was feeling. And that's not there. First, I was, I was at an inpatient place on Delmore in St. Louis called Missouri Psychiatric Center. And I checked myself in because this urge was coming over me to do these type of things. My mind was really playing a lot of serious tricks on me at that time. And I checked myself in because I wanted to know what was wrong with me. You were thinking about hurting people? Yeah, and I tell them that all the time, and they wouldn't listen to me. They thought I was playing. Did you only have these thoughts whenever you were smoking crack, or just all the time? No, oh, it's before. It was way before. It was way before. What about as a child? When I was a child, I always had the urge to want to hurt people because of what was going on around me, and I feel that's the only way that I could keep people off of me was to they say he'll hurt somebody. You know what I'm saying? Well. Theotis, do you think that if your environment was better, that those thoughts wouldn't occur? Or do you think that if we took the bad environment away? You know what it was? I think it was my, it had a a whole lot to do with my environment. It had a whole lot to do with my environment. Then when I was going to school, I was young. I wasn't able to have the clothes and stuff that I really wanted. Kids would laugh at me, you know, because I would have a lot of secondhand stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Kids can be cool. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you how you feel about this. There's a ton of kids, especially young black kids in inner cities, that really have it bad, but they don't end up killing multiple people. What sets you apart? I think I had the mental health issues that I had all the time and never knew it. Like the combination of, of mental health and, and environment. Mental health, my environment, drugs, and drinking, it all played a great deal in it, man. It's the devil. It took a hold of me, man. That's what it was. Normal people just don't wake up and say, I'm going to go start killing people. That's not a normal behavior of any human being. A human being just don't wake up and say, oh, today seems like a nice day to go commit a murder. Or today seems like a nice day to go shoot up a grocery store. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mental health playing a great part of it. And if you're not getting the help that you need, it's going to progress. It just progresses as you get older. And then when you be able to get your hands on something to hurt someone, that's when it, 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 takes, it takes place. In it. Like we look on the news and we see all this craziness going on. It's, a lot of those cases have to do with a lot of mental health. And people just don't see it. They don't want to recognize it. First thing they want to put it off on, he was on some type of drug. The majority of the people that do drugs, they're self-medicating themselves because they have issues that they don't understand what's going on with. Yeah. It could be low self-esteem. Low self-esteem, or it could be a bipolar, yeah. schizophrenic. And we don't understand because we're the patient, but we don't understand that unless we get the right doctors or some psychologists to explain to us and to medicate us or to keep us from society, 
and two, we're fixed. No matter how many years it may take, we can avoid a lot of victims out there in society. What do you think the public needs to do to ensure that things like what you did happen? More mental health awareness? Yes, what it is, it's got to be more mental health awareness, man. These doctors at these mental health clinics got to take people serious for what they're saying because all they do is write down some stuff on the paper or pad and then they throw it to the side, write you some prescription, and then they kick you right back out there in society. And then you're not taking the medication properly when you actually need to be put into a mental hospital where you can be monitored and watched and go through some counseling. Just giving you some pills and kicking you back out there. You're not going to take those pills regularly. And then you're not going to take them on the back side of the pen. You're going to be drinking with them or using some type of drug with them. So the pill is not going to affect you properly because you was basically with alcohol and drugs. Do you think that's more easier said than done to do all the things that to put in place? If you don't have the money, nobody cares. If they can't make the money off you, if you're just going out there with a Medicaid card or Medicaid only paying so much or just walking in as a, like as a free clinic, they're just going to do enough where they can get paid from you from the state or whoever pays them just to say, okay, I deal with this patient here. He come in and he's they write down the diagnosis and they probably won't see you again for another three months. Because I couldn't go as regular as I wanted to when I was going home. I think they would give me a appointment like for every 90 days I would go down there. I couldn't go down to the other than that. If I had some serious issues, they'll say, go check yourself in down there on Delmore. It's like yesterday. And they would only hold you for a certain amount of days because they're not getting paid for you. If you didn't have no type of insurance, I've never had no type of insurance, but some car insurance. That's the only kind of insurance I've ever had. I've never had no medical insurance or health insurance or life insurance, nothing like that. I've never had nothing like that. The Otis's perspective on drug use was a sobering reflection of the systemic letdown he experienced. According to him, drugs were not his initial choice, but a desperate attempt to escape the clutches of depression. Theoda spoke of his struggles to find adequate mental health support, recounting his visits to clinics where his pleas for help fell on deaf ears. He also emphasizes that drug addiction is not solely a criminal issue, but a social problem that requires compassion and understanding. We cannot ignore his passionate argument for a shift in society's approach, advocating for comprehensive mental health support instead of punitive measures. Addressing the root causes and providing proper care could prevent tragedies like his own. Theotis's words serve as a stark reminder of the flaws in the system and the pressing need for change. Before we left our conversation, I wanted to know if he had any desire to murder again. Was he truly reformed? Now that you found God and you've confessed, do you ever feel like it would feel good to do that again, though? To kill someone? It was, but that it would feel good to do it again? Yeah. No, I don't have a desire to do it. I wouldn't have a desire to do it. That's been many years ago. I had a lot to think about who the years you're doing it. Do you ever have dreams? Because that's, that's a lot of murders. Five murders total, right? Actually, more if they... That, that's five just convicted of. I don't have no dreams about it. Never have had no dreams about it. Just I would just come across my mind. I would think about it. Yeah. Give away on me because I know it was wrong. Yeah. When you start changing your life and you try to be a better person, the things that you've done that was bad, it weighs on you because you know that it wasn't meant to be. People wasn't meant to just go around killing people. 
the fact of a person going to the store and kill up a bunch of people, eventually it's going to weigh on them. The consciousness is going to kick in. They're going to say, man, that was wrong. If there's there any humanity in their life. What kind of uh, inmate are you, you know, under the system? Are you pretty well behaved? Are you, are you patched up I've with taken, the gang? I've taken every program that's available. Better myself to be the most respectful and moderate business I be. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. If they came to you tomorrow and they said, hey, we're going to go ahead and let you out, would you say, no, I don't think that's safe? Or do you think that, yeah, I can handle this without murder? I can handle it without murder. And what about the drugs that'll be in everywhere you go? I have no desire for any narcotics, alcohol, or tobacco. No desire for them as well. And I recommend that anybody that's doing it should stop. Because it's a beast and other things. That's your recommendation? Don't do drugs? That's my recommendation. No drugs or drink. Anything that alters the mind is not good for the human body. What about for the people that aren't going to kill when they do drugs because there's a lot of drugs out there and a lot of people that do drugs and not a lot of people do them and then kill that's true it's, there's a lot of other people doing it but you got to realize that everybody that does it doesn't have some type of mental health issues as well when you do that and you have some mental health issues that triggers more than you know, the human body can really take so there's no telling what you may do Theotis I appreciate you letting me delve into what's going on and all the specifics of your case. I'm glad that you found forgiveness in, in yourself because that's important and, uh, you know, whatever that took. All right, man, I appreciate it and have a good night, okay? Yeah. All right, man, see you. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Bye. On the next episode of Voices of a Killer. Why do they think that you did those six murders? No, I didn't have a gun. No. And I'm the only one that got arrested. I'm the only one that did time for the charge. I just did, took it on the chin. I started selling drugs at eight years old. Uh, the first time I got arrested was 10 years old for stolen car. Dwayne, it's my understanding that you actually committed a crime that put you in prison at the age of 15. And as soon as they said that, the captain just punched me in my face. And when he punched me in my face, I hit the floor. But it didn't really hurt, but it, I played like I was knocked out. And they told me to get my B ass up, right? That's a wrap on this episode of Voices of a Killer. I want to thank our guest, Theotis, for sharing his story with us today. I know it couldn't have been easy for him to relive those painful memories, but his willingness to be open and honest is what makes this podcast so special. A big shout out to Sonic Futures, who handled the production, audio editing, music licensing, and promotion of this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this one, make sure to visit our website at voicesofakiller.com. There you can find previous episodes, transcripts, and additional information about the podcast. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and reach new listeners. Thank you for your support, and we can't wait to share more stories with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Toby, and we'll see you next time on Voices of a Killer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, listeners, Toby here. We have a special announcement just for you. Voices of a Killer is launching its very own Patreon page, an exclusive platform that allows you to dive even deeper into the darkest corners of these gripping tales. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to a wealth of exciting bonus content and behind-the-scenes exclusives that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Picture this, at our lowest tier, you can have access to further content with exclusive letters, photos, and correspondence that have never been seen by the public before. At our producer tier, you will have the opportunity to engage with the team, participate in Q&A polls, and receive updates on upcoming episodes and developments. This tier is perfect for those who have a keen interest in the production process and want to be a part of shaping the show's future. You'll also have your name read at the end of our latest episodes. How cool. At the next tier, you'll have all this and the opportunity to join in our once-in-a-month video chat Q&A session with me, the host, and our production team, allowing you to engage directly with the creators and further satisfy your curiosity. And for our premium tier, you'll have all this and the ability to listen to exclusive unedited raw interviews to really hear the true voices of our podcast. So if you're ready to unlock a world of extra content, head over to patreon.com slash voices of a killer now and choose the tier that best suits your craving for true crime. Your support will not only fuel our passion for storytelling, but also enable us to bring you even more thrilling narratives and the voices that are waiting to be heard on Voices of a Killer.